this morning. We're in 1 Corinthians. We're in the first chapter, beginning at verse 25. Now today, you're not going to be with me unless you get a Bible, because I'm going to go almost word for word. So please, they're, they're in the pews, and uh, you can find this. It's not hard. First uh, Corinthians... Chapter 1, verse 25. All right. Today we're going to look at a comparison between what the world thinks is power and wisdom and what the Lord thinks is power and wisdom. We're going to contrast those two and and really think about what's happened in history, what the Lord has done, and, and what men have done. And how we can evaluate uh, both of those uh, positions uh, well. Well, let's look at it. For this, God's foolishness, is wiser than men. And this, God's weakness, is stronger than men. What God has done in Christ crucified is a direct contradiction of human ideas about wisdom and power. Yet it achieved what human wisdom and power uh, failed to deliver. They couldn't do it. But God did it. And God continues to do it uh, day by day and year by year and in our lives and what's out ahead. It is achieved through the Lord what is needed for our lives to grow, to develop, to become more caring, more loving, uh, to leave behind hostility and hate. It does convey the truth about God and man, and it does deliver man from his bondage, the wisdom, the power of God. Many would say, well, what are you talking about, bondage? I'm not in bondage. Well, very interesting thing uh, recently on the news. I know you read the papers and watch the news on TV. Uh, There have been two people in the last week that were very wealthy people, uh, well-known. The lady Clark, I think her name is, that makes all the purses. And Bourdain, who uh, was a famous cook and lecturer uh, to everyone. Both of these people took their lives. Multimillionaires, known all over, uh, revered by their friends and associates, and yet they took their own lives. I saw on the news yesterday where 125 people every day in America take their own lives. 125 every day. That's what it averages. Well, evidently, There was something wrong in their lives if they took their life. You know, a lot of people say, everything's great, I'm doing fine, everything's wonderful. When really it's not at all. And things are are difficult. And things are not pleasant. And things are hard and harsh. And it's our responsibility as children of the Lord of Lords, we are to be the ones that reach out to those folks, no matter what place in society uh, they might uh, find themselves. It's our responsibility 
to reach out and to touch them and to bring them out of the bondage that they're in. That's our job. That's what we're supposed to do. Uh, it's amazing uh, how many folks are unhappy, but they put on the happy face. And as we get to know them, as we get to involve them in our Bible study classes before our worship service, we have, I think, eight classes. And we want, of course, for each of you to be in one of those classes. You know, in worship, there's not a, a give and take uh, much, but in those classes, uh, that there is. And that's a time when you can say, well, you know, I've dealt with that all my life, and I never have come to a good conclusion or a good idea about how to handle it. And somebody else in the room will say, I've been through that just recently. And this is what I did. This is what God led me to do. This has helped me. And we begin to make friends and know names and, and we have people that pray for us and love us and we get to know them and love them. And it, it all kind of goes together. Verse 26 says, you can see what I mean, brothers, by looking at your own calling as Christians. As Christians. We are called uh, as Christians. The world sees you, knows you go to church, and they believe uh, that you're doing your thing, and they're, of course, doing their thing. And they don't really want to get involved in your thing. But the main point is that our thing, our involvement, our ministry, is what can lead them to being all that they can be and becoming in Christ Jesus one of the family of God. You know, there's a uh, evidence here that uh, God employs standards differing from those that are accepted among men. There are among you, uh, verse 26 continues, there are among you, Not many who are wise by human standards, not many who are powerful, not many who are nobly born. You know, we've seen a lot recently about all the folks uh, in England. There are the royals, and then there's everybody else. Uh, You know, that's, uh, I think, what this is talking about. Not many that are nobly born. Well, there's not. You know, we're not in that uh, lineage of uh, nobility in England. We're, even though my name is Churchill, I'm not in there. <laughs> I'm out. And you're out. <laughs> We're all out. It's evident from uh, chapter 7, verse 21, that the Corinthian community, this church that Paul is writing to in this letter, uh, they are... Uh, folks that come from every sphere of society. There are a lot of slaves in that church. Uh, there are some middle type people. And there is at least one that was a ruler in the synagogue. All types of people there uh, in the Corinthian church. 
that Paul is trying to reach, that Paul is trying to develop and trying to bring in more people that uh, can grow and be nurtured in the Lord. The late Joseph Sazu spoke perceptively when he wrote, We have grasped the mystery of the Adam, but we have rejected the Sermon on the Mount. We have achieved brilliance without wisdom. We have power without conscience. Ours is a world of nuclear giants and ethical infants. You know, today there are a lot of people uh, that have had or do have power. Hitler had a world of power. He could say to the guys, march off that cliff, and they would do it. I mean, they would line up and do it. And he didn't care who he killed. He didn't care what happened to those countries. He didn't care what happened, really, to a lot of his own people. He was just trying to rule with an iron fist. And, of course, millions of people died. Putin is uh, one that if you give him a hard time, he'll see see to it somebody kills you. I mean, he sends out a little group over here. And uh, they follow you maybe over into Europe or over into this country or that country. They follow you. And while you're over there, they kill you. If you cross Putin, you are in big, big trouble. And then we have that wacko in uh, North Korea. (laughs) He looks funny to me. Does he look funny to you? He has an odd way of walking, and and, uh, he claps all the time. You know, I think we ought to clap every once in a while, but not all the time. He's clapping all the time, just like this. And, of course, all the guys that are standing around him, they're clapping because he's clapping. And if they don't clap, guess what? They're out. (laughs) Did you see where he fired the uh, three of his top guys? Just fired them. Uh, They might end in a pond somewhere. Uh, You know, it's rough, rough business, rough. Well, There are among you not many who are wise by human standards, not many who are powerful, not many who are nobly born. Now get that picture in your mind. He's talking about the structure of the Corinthian church. He's trying to minister to them. He's trying to minister uh, through this book that he has written, this epistle that he has sent to those in Corinth. He's trying as best he can to get across to them what it takes to be on the right side, to do the right things. Verse 27, God chose what the world counts foolish in order to put to shame the world's wise men. God chose what the world counts weak in order to put to shame What it counts strong. Verse 28. What the world counts base and despised. Even the things that did not exist. God chose. That he might do away 
with what did exist. You know what I think has wisdom and has power? The ministry that our church is involved in in Meals on Wheels. I think there's wisdom there and strength there. We go out and knock on doors. Somebody opens the door and we have a meal for them. And we give it to them and we say a few words of of love and care uh, to them. Try and make them uh, feel good. You know, you might be the only person that is in contact with them that day. And what you're doing is at the heart of Christian ministry. What you're sharing, not only food, but love and understanding and grace, those are the things that are so terribly important. These meal on wheels folks that are doing that are doing a great work, just a great work. And uh, I, I almost wish we did it all the months of the year rather than just June because we could get more and more people involved and more and more people in direct ministry, some of whom have never done anything like that before. It's a great way to grow. Mother Teresa's life doesn't add up according to the world. You know, the world says, is she just an old lady? She died. You know, she did something over in Calcutta. I don't know what, but a lot of people thought it was good, so that's fine if that's what she wants to do. Do you know what Mother Teresa did? She went up and down the streets in Calcutta in the worst neighborhoods, literally picking people out of the ditches. Uh, Some were dead, and they would take them and clean them up, dress them up, bury them. She would take people that were dying, people that had all sorts of horrible diseases, uh, many of which I'm sure were contagious diseases, they didn't care. They went and got them. They picked them up, carried them to their mission. They bathed them. They put bandages where that was needed. They gave them food, something to drink, and they prayed for them, and they loved them. And she did that time after time after time after time, really, all of her life. Had a great ministry. And her fame spread. This little old lady was doing perhaps the greatest uh, work in our country, in our world. Uh, You know, just just really reaching out, touching people. Didn't add up according to the world. You know, the world says, well, she wants to do that, go ahead. It's not what I want to do. I don't want to touch anybody that's got something I don't know what it is. You know, I'm not going to be involved in that at all. Too many of us say, well, that's what the world thinks, so I guess I ought to get in line with it. I remember uh, when I was in the ninth grade, I had changed schools and went to a new school in the ninth grade. And when I went to school the first day, uh, all the guys had on blue jeans and white long sleeve shirts. 
Did, wherever you grew up, did they do that in, in uh, the ninth, about the ninth grade, in junior high, high school? Uh, they did it in Chattanooga. That was what everybody was doing. And I went home that day, and I, I was upset. I told my parents, I said, I've got to have a long sleeve white shirt. And they said, what? And I said, I've, I've got to have it. Everybody has one. I have got to have. I had blue jeans, but I didn't have any long sleeve white shirts. That I've got to have a long sleeve white shirt. And they they got me one. I was so serious. I think uh, they they went and got me one. So every day, uh, I wore my white shirt, my blue jeans, and I sort of uh, began to fit in. Well, you know, God has not called us to fit in with the world. You know, that's what we try and do a lot. But that's not what God has called us to do. That's siding with the ideas and the philosophy of the world. That's not God's philosophy. That's not what God has called us to do. You know, there's a thing called extreme fighting. That's where two people get in a cage and they beat on each other until one of them is senseless and the other one wins. And everybody that's standing around watching all of this says, isn't he strong? Isn't he powerful? What a man. What a man. And they many times begin to idolize the guy that wins a number of those in a row. That's the world's uh, philosophy. That is not God's philosophy. You know, God looks down on that. That's not what he wants us to do or to be. I'm sure you've noticed as you've read the scriptures that uh, the Lord chose a lot of shepherds to do a lot of different things. There were shepherds uh, that came to the newborn, uh, Christ child. Uh, There was uh, a shepherd named David who rose... uh, in his work for the Lord in those early days as he became king of the land. He he chose some shepherds. You know, he never chose people that beat other people senseless. He just didn't choose those kind of people. He would accept those kind of people if they came to him and said, you know, I've been doing this wrong. And I need to start doing it right. I had a fellow come in for counseling one time, and he said, uh, he said, and he looked terribly uh, depressed, and he said, uh, I've never been to church before. He said, I've tried uh, money, had a lot of money, I lost it all. I've tried sex with all kinds of different people. That didn't work. I've tried... Uh, Athletics, I was a star, that didn't work. He said, I've tried a whole lot of things. He said, I'm here today to try Jesus. He said, can you help me with that? And I said, I can. (laughs) And uh, we talked for a long time. I never saw him again. I guess his list was a little longer. He wanted to try some more things. You know, there's people all around us that uh, could be chosen but aren't being chosen to do specific ministries 
because they don't want it. They want to side with the world. They want to side with the wisdom and power of the world rather than with the wisdom and power of the Lord. Well, look at verse 28. With with what the world counts base. Now, the word base here signifies the opposite, once again, of nobly born. Uh, What the world counts base and despised, even the things that did not exist, God chose that he might do away with what did exist. Maybe God is trying to get you ready to do something that hasn't started yet, but he's preparing you to do whatever it is, whatever he wants you to do. Maybe a year from now or five years from now, whatever. He gets us ready. We yield our life to him and we think, well, why am I doing this? And we don't know, but God knows. And God gets us ready for a great thing. We're trying to uh, get a singles ministry going in our church. All of you that are single adults, half of our church are single adults. Uh, we need to have a real strong single adult ministry here. Maybe God has been getting you ready to lead out in that. If you'd like to be involved in that, uh, let me know. And uh, we're working on getting kind of our basic uh, uh, steps uh, laid down in the right direction for that. We want to do that. We want to have the best uh, single adult ministry in the area. Well, maybe God is getting you ready for something else. Three times it says in verse 27, 28, three times it says God chose. God chooses people to do specific things. He enables them. He empowers them to do those things. I believe God chose me. I... I, uh, at one time, wanted to be a clinical psychologist. And I took all the courses at Baylor that would uh, get me set up for that. And the more I was involved in our Friday night missions that went out and dealt with people that didn't have anything and that were in the worst neighborhoods around Waco, Texas, the more I got involved in that, the less I wanted to be a clinical psychologist. And I wanted to do more in line with what I did every Friday night in ministering to those little kids. One Friday night, this little boy came, and his leg was broken open. I mean, it was literally broken open. And he was there just doing all the stuff that he was singing, and he was doing all the stuff, and he wasn't paying any attention to his leg. And I saw that, and I said, you need to go to the hospital. I said, there's something dramatically wrong here. His parents or whoever he lived with, evidently they didn't care. They weren't doing anything about it. You know, there's a whole lot of folks that uh, are waiting on you to come and help them, to give them guidance. They might be the head of a corporation. They're waiting on somebody to come and to give them direction, to give them a factual basis Uh, for doing what they need to do. 
And as we come with the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the fellowship with God, uh, we can meet the needs that that person has. I believe God chose me to do what I'm doing. I, I know that uh, Tom, where's Tom? Uh, where is Tom? <laughs> I thought he'd left. Uh, <clears throat> I know that God uh, chose Tom, and Tom's doing it. He's being faithful. He's got an earned doctorate. He's, he's serious about it. You don't get one of those unless you're serious about it. Jim Feast, did you know that he was the valedictorian at the uh, University of Tampa? Uh, did you know that he was the most outstanding uh, male in the music department in that school? Did you know that he's been ministering all these years part-time, and he's an executive with... Uh, I hate to say it, the IRS. (laughs) I tell you what, Jim has made a difference in this church. I mean, he has been a real, real blessing to everything that we do. I am so thankful that he's here. I've worked in my 55 years pastoring, I've worked with a lot of people that were ministers of music that were terrible. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when I came here, I thought, well, goodness, I'm so glad that we have a good uh, minister of music. That's so important. You know, God has called our deacons. I believe God has called you. He's called you to deke. <laughs> you know, you're supposed to be out there deking. And uh, as you do that, uh, you meet a lot of needs and help a lot of people. That's what it's all about. I think God has called a lot of people, you know, maybe to work in the library, to work in sound, to work in our trustees, our ushers, uh, whatever it might be. What What is God calling you to do? Uh, you know, every year, there's once a year when we kind of sign up people to do all these different things. Uh, There's a place there for you, and God has prepared you to do whatever it is. You have the power and the wisdom because the Lord has initiated uh, a relationship to you and has followed through by helping you to come to the point where you can do that thing that he wants you to do. It's just up to you to say, yes, I'll do it. Well, the scripture says... uh, God's wisdom in the gospel has already been validated by its effect and will in the end be completely vindicated by the totality of his new creation. Well, what is his new creation? Well, uh, in every era, there's a new creation. There's a new uh, way to serve, way to minister. Uh, Some of the commentaries believe that this... uh, section about God choosing things that haven't even come to being yet is talking about some of the eschatological issues that uh, we look at every once in a while. Verse 29, that no one might glory in God's presence. Here Paul is returning to the imminent point that he wants to make. Uh, Here he is returning uh, 
to say that the world's false boasting in its wisdom and ability that causes him to write this letter to the church in Corinth. They were boasting. They were full of the world's wisdom, the world's power. And they were so proud of themselves. And they were uh, up there, uh, you know, in the church, kind of strutting around like a peacock and uh, expecting everybody to kind of, uh, you know, bow down in one way or another to them. Well, that's not what they should have been doing. And Paul wrote them a letter. And told him, said, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be uh, zeroing in on God's power and God's wisdom. And using that in your daily walk, in your daily ministry. Uh, you are, verse 30, the you is uh, emphatic. You are related to God in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. Not only do your sources of supply, wisdom, strength, so forth, come from God, your very being comes from God. Your very being. Paul goes on to define the terms in which man is related to God through Christ. Still in verse 30. Who as God's gift became wisdom for us and righteousness and sanctification and Redemption. All of these things come through Christ, not through the world, not through the power of man, but through the power of Christ. There are so many that say, you know, I'm I'm a self-made man. You know those people? I'm I'm self-made. Well, you're not (laughs) self-made. Who do you think gave you your brain? It wasn't you. You didn't earn it. You didn't pay for it. God gave it to you. If you're good looking, it isn't because of you. It's because God gave it to you. If you have extraordinary abilities athletically, do you think that you did all that? You didn't. If you have great musical abilities from the time you're a little kid till you're grown up, It's not because of what you did. It's because of the gift that God gave you. Here's the self-made people over here. And here are the people that God has called over here. The people that realize God gave me the power. God gave me the wisdom. And, And now it's up for us to take what he has given us. And to use it in the world to which he has placed us. Well, today, if there are folks in the house that would like to trust in Christ, we always like to invite people to make a public profession of your faith in him. You know, that that's what they did in the New Testament. Jesus called them out of the crowd to come and take a stand for him. And I want to ask you today, if you've never made a public profession of your faith in him, to do it today, to get in line with the power and wisdom of the Lord, of the Lord. And as you do that, of course, then the blessings that he has given you are molded into the frame where you can be a servant 
in the kingdom. Some of you have been visiting with us for a while. If you'd like to come and join our church, we'd love to love to have you. The doors of the church are wide open this morning. I'm going to stand right down here at the front. If you'd like to come and rededicate your life, that would be fine. We're glad you're here. We hope and pray that everyone that is sensing a bit of the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart even in this moment, that you'll follow through and follow him. Take a stand for Christ. Let's stand. Sing together.